Thank you for tuning in to the Living Hope Church podcast. This is a free resource given to you uh, for your benefit and for your faith to be grown in the Lord. So we encourage you, if you are a Living Hope Church member, to share this podcast, to share these sermons, if they have fueled your faith in any way. And if you are not a Living Hope Church member, we pray and encourage you to stay and remain faithful in a local body, a local church for the building of the body, and that this would only be a supplement for your faith. But we do pray that this encourages you in your faith, all for His glory and for His name's sake. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get into the sermon. I want to begin just by presenting a scenario for you. I want you to imagine the present comes, and he asks you to join him for a week. And you get to go to all the meetings that he goes to. You're involved uh, in, in uh, all the people from whatever meetings he has. He, you're with him pretty much every moment of the day. But the scenario is slightly different. Okay, I want you to think about you're not just there to watch and observe. You are there to actually help him make decisions. He, he turns to you and says, what do you think about this? What, what do you decide? Or he says to his cabinet, whatever this, my guest decides, this is what we're going to do. Now, what would you think about it? What thoughts or feelings come up in that kind of scenario? Now, I'm going to pause. And I'm going to let you take a moment to share just a word or two with the people around you as you're watching this to share what adjectives describe how you might feel being invited and, and, and allowed to participate in that kind of um, setting. So take a moment and share. You may not be done. That's okay. I wouldn't know. But anyways, uh, some of the words that come to my mind would be like honored, uh, privileged, but also like with the decision-making part, you know, I'd rather just sit and watch rather than really uh, make the decisions. But you know what? This is exactly what God has done for us. He has invited us into his world, his plan, his mission. And we're not just watchers and observers. We are participants. He looks to us. He has delegated things to us. And he's asking us, what do you think we should do? Partner with me. Let's go. Where are we going? What do you think? We're not just watchers and observers. We are not on the bleachers. We are on the field. And this is amazing. Now, now let me share with you personally what's been going on in my heart. The past few weeks, I'll tell you what, I've, I've been feeling like I've just been swimming and just trying to keep my head afloat with this whole COVID-19 and all the changes that have gone on, all the restrictions, um, trying to, I've just been, this is how I feel, just trying to splash around and tread water. I have no, I've, I've, I really have just not had a sense of what to do. I've, I've been feeling kind of lost. It's just, that's just me. That's how I've felt. And, um, and there's just these waves coming around. I'm just trying to keep afloat as I'm bobbing up and down in this water. But you know what? After last week, after we were finished with the Easter service, there's been a shift in me. And there's just been this phrase that's come up in my mind. I want to, this is the title of the message of the series. The next three weeks, this week and the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at this phrase. It is time to get down to business. It is time to remind ourselves 
of the mission that we've been called to as the church. And this is what this phrase means. I've, I've been like, okay, Lord, it's time to get down the business. Let's go. Let's go. And so the question is, well, what is that business? What is that business? You know, when we are fearful, we can easily panic and our minds go to, how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to provide for myself? What are things going to be like? How hard is it going to be? Will I be able to keep a roof over my head? Can I put food in my family's table? Will I get sick? Will I be able to retire when I thought I could? I mean, that's, that's where my mind has gone is with all these changes and the economy kind of shut down, boom, what is going on? And what do I do in the midst of this? How am I going to provide? Those who are followers of Jesus, this morning I, I want to speak to you right now. Let this morning be a reminder of whose family we are members of. Let this morning, which follows Resurrection Sunday last week, be where we shake the cobwebs of worry and fear from the past several weeks, from our hearts and our minds, so that we see Jesus clearly. Because he has called us not into a half-hour sitcom. We are not in a commercial. The COVID-19 virus, what's going on now, this is a commercial. Okay, the virus is a commercial. And life is going to continue on. And our mission continues on. And we are not in a telethon either for a good cause. That happens for a little bit, and then we're done. No, we are called into an epic and grand story and movement of God's redeeming love and power. And it's time. It's time. Jesus is risen, and it means something. And that means the church, we need to wake up. We need to stop flailing around the way I have been the past several weeks. And when you think about, okay, we need to get on mission. We need to get on task. We need to get down to business. Now, for those of you who are watching and... You're like, what is this Jesus thing? And maybe you just happen to tune in to our service and wondering, you know, but you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. I just want you to know right now that as you listen, I want you to know that following Jesus has implications for our whole life. It's, it's not just a list of beliefs that you believe or agree with. It, it affects, following Jesus affects your whole life. And so as you consider following Jesus, I, I just want you to know that. And, and you're going to hear how some of those implications about what Jesus said, says, and how that affects our lives. You're going to hear a bit about that today, this morning, and if you desire to tune in in the next couple of weeks. But I also want you to know that even though the gospel, who Jesus is, affects every part of our life, that they're living with him also comes with an amazing promise. And the promise comes from Matthew 6.33. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6.33. This is our key verse for this morning. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, first of all, let's understand the context that Jesus says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the kingdom of God and his right, and all these things shall be added. So what, what does it mean by all these things? What, does, what was Jesus talking about? 
Well, the context of this saying of Jesus is that he is laying out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it takes up, uh, it's in Matthew's Gospel. Um, and so, as Jesus is talking in this section, he's talking about being provided for the basic needs of life. Food and clothing. And his ending point is this, but seek first God's kingdom, God's righteousness, and you'll be provided for. Okay, it, it, his saying does not mean, oh, you can stop working. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to save any money. Or, or li- you, but you can live in frivolity and just toss money wherever you want and saying, oh, my heavenly father will provide. No, that's not what Jesus means in this passage. Jesus means he, that we are so valued in God's sight. So valued. That no matter what occurs around us, our good Heavenly Father will provide. Now this may be a, a statement that's hard to comprehend for some of us. Why? Because we live in a, in a world of fallen fathers. I'm one of them. I mess up. I easily get distracted and disengaged from pursuing my wife and my children. Sometimes I even use ministry, you know, doing good things as an excuse to disengage. And all of us have been wounded by our fathers. It's just a sad reality of this world. But this is a fact of the good news about Jesus there is a perfect father. There is a perfect dad who exists and he is calling you with love through Jesus. He wants to make you his own child and a member of his own family. And that's what Jesus is talking about. For those of you who are children of God, God will provide. He will provide. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that that worry us will be dealt with because we have a perfect, good, heavenly Father watching over us. And that's the promise that we have. Because, see, as a member of God's family, we are in the safest and securest place that we can be in a pandemic, in a global depression, whatever comes our way. Last week when the tornado went through Medina... Followers of Jesus were still in the safest, most secure place, being one of God's children. And so, those of you who are considering about Jesus, that entrance into God's family, he is ready with arms open wide for you to consider and receive Jesus and to welcome you into his family. And we invite you to consider that this morning. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, these things that worry us, will be added to you. Our provision, we will be provided for because God is watching over us. In all things, we are called to look to God, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, to walk in his way of life. That's what it means to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, to walk in the example of Jesus, to live in his life that he provides for us as we walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, this time... We think about money and provisions. It's, that is, uh, you know, it's no, 
it's, it's what? It's, it's um, not surprising that in this context of the COVID-19 that we're worried about provisions and money. It totally makes sense. And then we've turned to money, okay? Because money is part of our provision, right? That's how we pay for food and we, how we pay for clothing and shelter. And so it makes sense that we are concerned about that at this time. And so now I want to talk about, uh, okay, if we seek first his kingdom, how does God provide with our money? And how do we handle money with a kingdom mindset and not toss about in the waves of fear and panic in this time? How do we seek first his kingdom with our money? Now, before answering that question, I want to briefly sketch what the Bible says in general about money. First, God made it abundantly clear to his people that everything is his. It's all his. He is the owner of everything. And a life unto Jesus first starts as we think about money. That first, it's the Lord's. Whatever I have in my bank account, in my investments, it's first the Lord's. It's not mine. It is the Lord's. He has entrusted these things to me. So first it starts off with God is the owner of everything. Your house, even though your names may be on the deed, God is the owner of it. For example, listen to Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, everything in it, the world and those who dwell therein. It's all the Lord's. He is the owner and he is Lord over all. This was also made clear to his people Israel when God instructed them in giving to the Lord. There's a specific feast called the Feast of the First Fruits. This festival is on the same level for us like Christmas and Easter. It's a big deal. Okay, we, um, we shut things down. We, we stop from work. We celebrate with family. It's a special holiday. All right? And the Feast of First Fruits was like that kind of holiday. It wasn't like Professionals Day where you just send somebody a card. It was, it was something very significant. And you, you, you set aside your normal activities to do certain things to celebrate this Feast of First Fruits. On this feast, the harvested grain, the first harvested grain, was brought to the tabernacle, to the place of worship. And it was given to the priest and it was waved. It was gone through a ceremony of presenting it before the Lord. And it was a dedication of the harvest, the rest of the harvest, to the Lord. It, it, uh, it's described in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 through 14. And there it says that none of the new grain is to be eaten before this offering of first fruits is made to the Lord. All right, so... So you, you take the, they were to take the first harvest of the grain. And before they harvested anything else, they took this first part of the harvest to where the Lord's presence was in the temple or in the tabernacle. And it was presented to him. And it was meant to give him honor. It was meant to give him praise and thanks and to dedicate the rest of the harvest to him. Why? Because he's the owner of it all. Now help me, uh, to help you help illustrate it a little bit more. Let's say that you are having dinner with a person of honor of recognition. Who is the first one served? Who is the first one to eat? It's your guest, right? You wait for the guest to begin. This person of honor. Think of a wedding reception. When does everybody else get to eat? 
when the married, newly married couple starts eating. Okay, why? Because they're the guests of honor. And that gets at the, the idea of this feast of first fruits that we give to the Lord and acknowledge him. He is the owner of it all. We would not have a harvest. We would not have food. We would not have clothing. We would not have money if it wasn't for him and his provision in our lives. Such was the point of the feast of first fruits. God had in the culture of Israel... And he reminds us today in our culture as well, in our kingdom culture, the way we walk with Jesus is that he is the owner of everything and whatever he he has given us. And we give back a portion to him to to remind ourselves and to recognize that he has given these things out of his goodness and out of his good fatherhood to provide. It's a way of acknowledging God's kingship in our lives and honoring him with gratitude. Now this feast was celebrated three days after Passover. Now consider that. What happened three three days after Passover? Jesus resurrected, right? So this feast of first fruits was celebrated on the same day that Jesus rose from the dead. That was no accident. And even the Apostle Paul in his writings picked that up. He talks about Jesus being the first fruits of the resurrection. There's a clear connection there. You know, our Heavenly Father loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus. Jesus, and he gave him first to die in our place that we might have life and be adopted into his family. He gave his child that we might become his children. Jesus was the first fruits. And so an understanding of money out of that first fruits is that we give first to God what he has provided for us. To give him the gratitude, to give him the honor, to recognize that he is king over us by giving to him first out of what we've been given. Now the New Testament, giving takes on new dimensions. First, the tithe. Tithe means tenth. It's not instituted. You will not find an instruction in the New Testament that says, Thou shalt give a certain amount of your income. It's not there. In fact, what we do see is that in the early church, there's an overwhelming response of voluntary giving. Let me read from you Acts 2, verse 42. And you see this idea of giving in the first several chapters of Acts. But let me just read from Acts 2, verse 42. And they devoted, they, the early Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. All came upon them. I'm on verse 33. And later on it says, All who were believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling, this is verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Think about that. They were not coerced. They were not forced through commandment. The early church seriously lived out Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. They applied this verse. And because they held to that promise, 
of seeking first his kingdom, they were willing to let go of these things that they were holding on to, to sell those things, their extra investments, their extra property, things that would have been helpful to provide, yes. But they, they looked at what did they need. They sold the rest and gave the proceeds to help their brothers and sisters in Christ. What an amazing picture of a family. And what an amazing view of money. To be so confident in the Lord that he's going to provide for you. That any extra things that weren't needed, they sold and brought the proceeds to help their brothers and sisters in Christ. So there's some penetrating questions that come from what I've highlighted so far. First off, does the way that you live life, I'm just speaking in general, does the way you live life align with a seeking first of his kingdom? This does not mean that you have to be a pastor or be employed by a nonprofit organization to seek his kingdom first. Professional investors, business owners, carpenters, steel mill mill workers, healthcare professionals can all live their life in a seeking his kingdom first kind of way. The question is, are you? Another penetrating question that these passages bring up, is when you consider all that you give out of your family income, does it reflect a trust in the Lord that he is your provider and you are only a steward of his money? Does it reflect that? It's easy to see where our priorities are at when we look at our checkbook. Now, my final point is I simply want to talk about the difference between giving and investing. First, let me ask you, what's a good investment? A good investment is something that grows in value over time, right? We put in a little bit money, a little bit of money, and what we put it into, we hope that it will grow and expand over time. And when that happens, we, can, we think, yes, that is a good investment. The investor invests hoping for a return on that investment. So giving, contrasted with investing, is when the funds leave our hands and we move on. Okay, that's, just for this sake, giving is simply, oh, here you go, and then I go in a completely different direction. There's no connection. As soon as I give the money, the connection's gone, and I move on with my life. Now I want to contrast, so there's the idea of giving, and I want to contrast it now with investing, the difference between giving and investing. Investing, on the other hand, is when you give, it is a deeper commitment. You invest yourself into that thing you are handing over. Yes, you hope that it grows over time. So like with our investments, our financial investments, we look, we check our statements. Is it growing? We're invested in it. We are concerned about it. We haven't just washed our hands of it. We are invested into it ourselves. Okay, there's this personal connection when we invest in something. And there's nothing wrong with getting some sort of reward or benefit from that. So my question to you, with now, that, uh, now I've given you a distinction between giving and investing, does your checkbook reflect... That seeking his kingdom first, that investment. 
For those who call Living Hope Church their home, are you investing or just giving? In other words, are you expecting the pastors to do kingdom work? And you think, well, I've given my tithe. I'm good. See, that's a giving mentality, and that's not a kingdom mindset mentality. Like I said, these are penetrating questions. What we hold dear, and we're challenged with that, considered challenged to reflect about how we're living our lives, they can be very penetrating because how we use money really gets at our hearts and our attachments to things. And so it can be very exposing. But let me just say that those who are in Christ, when we ask these questions, the Spirit is there out of love and not out of condemnation, not out of judgment. So if you feel judgment, it's either the sin in your heart or it's the enemy. It's not God. It's not God as we present ourselves with these questions. And this is really a good time to reflect on where we're going. In fact, I think this is one of the benefits of this pandemic that we're in. Because I think it, we really, as the church, we need to get, make sure that we are getting down to business. And having pulled away significantly from all of our usual activities, we're getting down to the bare bones a Sunday service, trying to connect over Sunday service and trying to connect with people through technology. All the frills and things like that have been taken away right now. And this is a good time for us as the church to stop and think, Lord, what are we doing? Are we doing your business or are we doing our own business? Are we trying to grow our church or are we trying to grow the kingdom? And this is where pulling aside these things, removing them, allows us to think, huh, have I been holding on to these things rather than holding on to Christ? And so, my friends, this is an opportunity for us, and this is why I think, this is why my heart's been moved for the next three weeks to spell out how we get down to business as Living Hope Church. But not only us as a church, but we are part of the kingdom. We're not the only church here. We are not the only faithful church in Medina or Ohio or the United States. We are part of a much bigger movement of God. He's been moving. And we as a church, we want to get in line with that. We want to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Yes, we have some needs. But we want to make sure that we're not fretting about and worrying about and being consumed about these relevant needs. But we want to make sure that we are seeking him First, and his righteousness first. Because this promise of Jesus also applies to us as a church. It doesn't make sense that if we say, oh, it doesn't apply, you know, the context of that was to individuals. We, as a church, we don't need to seek first his kingdom. Now, that doesn't make sense. Both individuals and groups of followers of him are all called to seek first his kingdom. And his promise remains true that if we as an individual or as a group are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, then the promise is all these things will be provided. God is our provider. He is the one who supplies for all our needs and even beyond what we can ask or imagine, as Paul says in Philippians. 
So consider these questions again. As the storm is going on around us, it's time that we as a church get down the business. Yes, all the extraneous stuff has been taken away, and that has been good because it allows us to reflect and consider, Lord, where's the direction that we're going? Are we allowing our feet to turn to the left or to the right, or are we going straight ahead towards God? That's the task we've been called, no matter if COVID-19 ever happened or not. We need to be singularly focused on helping fulfill the Great Commission, making disciples of all nations, and that includes people here in Medina County. They need the hope of Jesus, now more than ever, probably, because of the pandemic, the fear, and the panic. So it's time for us as the church to shake the cobwebs off of our minds and out of our hearts and make sure that we are following Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. So now we're going to transition into a time of worship. And there's a button below this screen that when we end the live stream, you're going to click it. There's going to be a playlist. The last song, the last song that I requested to be put on there is called Revival Anthem by Ren Collective. And it may be very upbeat for some of you. You think, this is not my style of music, and that's okay. But I want you with open hearts and, empty, and open hands to say, Lord, I want you to come. We need revival. And so I, my challenge to you is to listen with that song with an open heart and just pray those words to the Lord. And ask him to come mightily in our midst. Let me pray. Father in heaven, you are our provider. We just confess. Uh, Lord, I confess my sins of how I've not been seeking you first. I confess those, those times when I've allowed the fear and the panic to enter into my heart. And to take my eyes off of you. I confess the sins of Living Hope Church, of all the members of Living Hope Church. My brothers and sisters whom I love very much, but we together confess the moments that we have taken our eyes off of you. We repent of that. We turn away from that turning away and we put our eyes back on you. Would you help us to get back on track to that we are seeking you first, your kingdom and your righteousness above all else? Yes, we pray for wisdom for the challenges that we have as a church. But help us to keep you first. And please, Lord, help us to use this time where we've been forced to pull back from normal day life to look at our checkbook, to look at our, how we view money, to look at how we view our things that are around us, and to ask the question, do we think these are ours, or do we think that they're yours, and we're only stewards? Correct our understanding, correct our mindset, correct our lives, so that our lives are more fully aligned with the reality that you are the owner of all things. 
and we are only stewards. Give us the faith and the wisdom to be wise stewards so that in the end we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You are not finished with us. COVID-19's days are numbered. It's only the commercial. We are still living out and in your epic story of redeeming the world, bringing the world back to yourself through your son, Jesus, who died on the cross and three days later on the Feast of First Fruits rose again. We can hold to the promise with the Holy Spirit being the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance that we too will rise up with him when he comes. I ask for your blessing over each person watching this right now. Even if they're watching the recording later on, I ask for your blessing over them that they might know that you are the one true living God and you've given us a living hope through your living son, Jesus. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of his name, Jesus Christ. Amen.